our children are now going to the children's church, and we're excited about uh, what they'll be learning this uh, morning with their leaders uh, on this day. We, uh, we're excited about today. There's so many things we're highlighting. We're highlighting uh, some things in connection with our design series about ministry. We're going to be sharing some people uh, who are involved in a very specialized ministry, uh, our uh, our Stevens ministry uh, a little bit later on in the service. Also, uh, we see the fruit of ministry as we see uh, Jesse come to faith in Christ and demonstrate in a public way. But also, we're highlighting ministry around uh, around the world, and we've had the privilege of, of supporting missionaries in just about every corner of this world. But just recently, uh, we have. Uh, one of our missionaries retired, and so we had the privilege of adding another one to our regular support, and it's Ron and Debbie Fuqua from Wycliffe, and we have, uh, I've had the privilege of knowing Ron for many years, and Debbie over the last number of years as they, as they hooked up and uh, were involved in, uh, in a ministry together, but Ron uh, was involved in a, a youth ministry I, was, I had at Torrance First Baptist, and, and he really began his heart for missions as he went down to Mexico. Now, a number of you have gone down to Mexico in some of our mission trips. How, if you've been to Mexico with us, raise your hand. A number of our people have that. God might be calling you to mission the mission field just real soon. So this is, uh, this is where Ron uh, began that. And uh, let's give Ron a warm welcome as he shares with us about his... Um, and Debbie, and Debbie, the better half, uh, as they share a little bit about their ministry and to be starting in Romania real soon. Great. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, it's great to uh, remember those times. And uh, being down in Mexico and studying Ephesians, too, while we were down there for the whole week. One chapter a day, it was great. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're Ron and Debbie Fuquay, and we work with Wycliffe Bible Translators. Uh, you know, Wycliffe Bible Translators, our, our goal is to see God's Word in every language in the world where, where people don't have it yet, where they need it. And uh, um, we're excited that uh, all of us here are having, having now a, a part in that as, uh, as you pray for us, you support us as, as we go and as we uh, work on getting God's word to the Roma people in Romania and other parts of Europe. Um, Debbie and I first um, started out with Wycliffe going down to Peru um, back in 1986. And uh, we worked on a project there helping out with a group called the North Hunin Quechua. And uh, they're one of the groups descended from the Incas. Our friends there received their New Testament in 1998. We have a copy in the in the room back in the snack room kind of place, fellowship room. And we did a few years of promotion work with them and then handed the work over to them uh, to continue on their own in 2002. Came back here, and we got working in re- the recruitment department, casting the vision uh, with, uh, with uh, young people through the Internet, through camps, and through uh, concerts and uh, at college campuses that, to get people involved in missions. Uh, right now, we are assigned to work um, with the Roma people, uh, and the Roma people are also known as the Gypsies. You might hear, hear that more. With the Gypsies, um, from Mo- Moscow to Madrid, there's maybe uh, 20 million of them all throughout, spread out all throughout Europe. There, there's even some here. There's a congregation in Garden Grove. Um, but in Europe, there's maybe 32 different dialects. The, Roman often, the Roma often live in the fringes of society, and they kind of keep to themselves. They have a really interesting culture, and, uh, but they also get on the nerves of some other people with some of the things that they do, and uh, they're often poor and uh, discriminated against. Um, 
Also, their children don't often stay in school very long, maybe just to barely get to be able to read, and then they pull them out. Um, so I was uh, looking, um, someone, someone told me about uh, this article in Christianity Today. I copied it off the Internet called God and the Roma, and had a really interesting quote by a pastor here. He says, uh, the Roma people come easily to Jesus to pray the sinner's prayer, and then they stop. He continues, he says, At the moment they hear the gospel, they usually uh, are without hope. They accept it and have a fire in their heart right then. They have great passionate worship and all that, but they don't know how to put wood on the fire. And often that's because they don't have God's word in their language to to feed their discipleship. Uh, That's what we're seeing, and uh, we're seeing that as they get the word, that's, that's a big help. Um, so our plans are to head over there this summer and uh, join the team that's already working there. Um, they have maybe six books translated already in one of the four dialects in Romania. Um, we have uh, tickets um, reserved, but we haven't bought them yet. Um, so we need a little bit of the money to come in for that. And uh, we have uh, meetings in September, so hopefully uh, the, the tickets will I'll be paid for well, by June, July 16th. We want to be able to go. But if that doesn't work out, we'll, we'll uh, extend that further so that we can go and be there before September. So just be praying, praying for that. And Debbie has a few other prayer requests. Okay. So um, we, I'd just like to tell you about our family. We have um, four children. Our, um, they are 25, 23, 20, and 18. And um, so our, our second son has been married for three years. So he got married when he was 20. And uh, we're, we're thankful that's really working out well. And our oldest son is also getting married on June 28th. So we'll have two married children. And then our younger two, our youngest son who's 20, and our daughter, we have three sons and a daughter, right? And our daughter is 18. They'll be staying at our house uh, in Torrance. And so uh, one of our main prayer request is for them as they transition to um, not having us around. And, you know, my daughter is especially a little nervous about this, but she keeps saying, like, Mom, Danny had one more year of that. And I thought, you know, no matter how long we wait, he's going to be two years older than you. So <laughs> anyway, so I think they'll be okay. And, you know, of course, they have our church family there in Torrance who are, you know, lots of people who are just will be there as soon as they call. So we're thankful for that. We'd also like to pray f- you to pray for um, uh, paperwork for our long-term visas. Um, we can go in on a tourist visa for three months, and then we need to work on the long-term one. And so right now we have to get a special marriage certificate, which has to, you know, you have to go to the, the capital of the state you were married in, and then you have to get this special seal called an apostille and, I mean, we never even heard of that. But fortunately, we have a friend in New Jersey who is going to do that for us. So just pray that that all works out in time. Um, also, we just like uh, prayer for just a few more monthly partners. Um, we're just really thankful for you. But please, you know, pray that that's continued. Um, we just lost a, a wonderful lady this week. Um, she died of brain cancer. And... Um, who was a partner with us for a while. And so 
those things always happen. And so, uh, and also one-time gifts for our flights and setup costs. So, and we'd just like to invite you to come talk to us during the fellowship time. We'll have our table over there, and uh, thank you for letting us share. Sometimes we wonder, what, what is a missionary? Is a missionary somehow different or have some kind of unique thing about them that empowers them to, to go to a foreign land, a foreign culture, a language they, they're not familiar with, and uh, spread the message of the gospel? If you look intently, uh, Debbie had a halo, but I know Ron doesn't have one. Okay, he has more like <laughs> horns. Um, but they're, they're, they're just like us. They have children, uh, children that, that they raise, and, and they hope that they establish their families. Uh, but God puts on, on their heart uh, what should be on all of our hearts, that we recognize that the gospel is for the entire world. It's not just simply for Americans or people across the street. It's for people who live everywhere. And every uh, you know, tribe, every nation, every tongue needs to hear the Lord, about the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and particularly, as you think about that, how could anyone grow in their faith if they didn't have this book? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine learning more about God, learning more what he wanted you to do if you couldn't read uh, the text in a language that was familiar to you. So we want to be praying for uh, Debbie and Ron as they go and just ask that God would use them in a powerful way and, and meet all their needs. I was thinking as you were sharing about, I'd forgotten that we had uh, studied the book of Ephesians in a week uh, outreach down in Mexico. Uh, one of the things that came to mind, though, is that Ron, who's uh, very musical as well, uh, there was an exception where I had him memorize most of Ephesians chapter 6, why they were down there as well, and he put it all to a song, and so we sang it and memorized it, and they had to take a test. They couldn't come back over the border unless they had it perfectly memorized. You know, it was all filled with grace as we were down there, as I didn't push or pull it in any way. Uh, so, uh, but it was a great week of just sharing the gospel. Um, if I'm not careful, I'll just tell Ron Pukwi stories, but we won't, we won't do that. So let's look, Lord, in prayer and just ask God to, to use the time in a, a, a book that we understand the language of it, because it was translated in English uh, most familiarly in 1611, the King James Version. Uh, but uh, God has uh, used this to allow us to know more about Jesus. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. But we do ask, as uh, we uh, just had the privilege of meeting with you, and, and we need to have that mindset that this is a book in which you have communicated it through apostles and prophets and, and holy men of God so that we might hear your voice and then respond to it. Uh, help us this day to understand more what it means to be a Christ follower. If we're uh, still on the fence looking in, uh, might we understand that this uh, message is available to us to respond to? And, and might we also realize, if we've made this step, that we don't want to pray a prayer or, look, or make a superficial commitment and stop. That you want us to be lights uh, that have been uh, turned on by the, the one who is the light of this world, that we might be people who humbly uh, understand that we have been rescued from a life, uh, really the Bible describes as filled with death, uh, but now it's filled with life. And might we just uh, leave this place more in love with the one who came for us. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible this morning, turn to the book of Ephesians. So I think I probably put that part of the, the message in your outline this morning. And the title of the message is, Is God at Work? 
And really, as we think about the Christian life, sometimes we get somehow caught up in thinking it's, it's what we do. And we need to always recognize it's all about what God has done. And if we forget that, then we are trying to live out this life in a way that will result in failure and frustration. And as we think about this book, uh, the Bible tells us that uh, in Hosea that, that his people perish because of a lack of knowledge. And that lack of knowledge, not simply that they didn't hear it before, that they really didn't grasp the implications of it for their life. And some people are familiar with this book, but they have no idea really what, that, what it means in terms of putting it into practice. And so this morning, we want, we want, really want to get back to what are some things God really wants us to know, particularly about him and then how we are to respond to that. You know, what you know can hurt you. If you're not familiar with something that's crucial for you to put something into practice, it's just, it's just a life of, of uh, uselessness and, and frustration. Uh, uh, have anybody heard of that new invention that happened actually not that many years ago called a computer? Did anybody have uh, those computers? I remember when I, uh, when I was in, a long time ago, I was at Cal State Florida, and we had to do computer programming. We went in this huge building, just gigantic building, and you had to type out cards to run a program. And they were trying to teach us uh, the language of the, of the computers and things like that. It was, it, was, it was an interesting experience trying to learn computers that way. Uh, but, but now, as we all have personal computers or computers, laptop computers, whatever it might be, as you notice, to get that to work, usually you, you put in your username, and then you have to type in a password. Now, I'm sure none of you are like me, but you know, usually there's a variety of programs where they ask for your username, and you put a password in, and you think, I shouldn't put the same password for every single thing I'm trying to somehow get out of that little box or that little thing on my table. And so I use different passwords. Anybody have more than one password that you use? Okay, and again, I'm sure none of you have ever experienced that, but have you ever gone to a program that you don't use a whole lot and you, and you put your username in and you put your password in and all of a sudden, what happens? Absolutely nothing happens. They just start, that computer starts talking back at you, you know, and you're thinking, what am I going to do? And so you try every, every password you've ever used and it still doesn't work because maybe you didn't put an asterisk or you didn't put a capital in a particular place or you didn't put a number where that one required a number. And, and no, no matter how much you want that computer to work, it won't work because you don't have the password. Well, in many ways, if we don't understand the password of this book, and really the password of the book is really understanding what God has done, what God is at work at in terms of our lives, this thing is not going to move too much. And we just went through a, a, a series, and if I'm speaking too fast now because I've got so much I want to say, is that, is that you know, the design is for us to, to understand that God has done a marvelous work in our life. We are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do something. But just like that computer won't do anything unless you get the password working for you, if you don't get what this book is all about and understand how it's supposed to touch down in your life, it's not going to work for you. And the book of Ephesians is such a great follow-up of our series because it really speaks to it in a in a corporate setting as well as an individual setting for a church to get it to work and for to get it to work you got to begin at the beginning it's all about what god has done and so if you have your bibles we'll begin at the beginning and then we'll look at at a, a shorter portion of scripture and for those of you who 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 think that i'm going to be going too slow through the series i ron already told you i, I did teach the book of ephesians an entire week we took one a chapter a day and if you were with us when we went through the New Testament survey, I taught this entire book on one Sunday. And today we're going to go through half of a sentence. All right. So uh, let's look at it. Uh, 
Paul begins this letter announcing who's writing it. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Did anybody call anybody a saint this week? Every time I did that, people laughed at me, you know. Um, you know, by, the, the Bible tells us that when we become a follower of his, we have now come to a point of an elevated position. We are considered a saint in God's eyes. We're set apart from him, for him. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul really begins the guts of his, book, of his writing to this church at Ephesus that was probably sent to a variety of churches, and now it's even come to us at Grace Hills Church, as he speaks about what, what God has done and what God is doing. Now, my Paul was kind of like uh, some preachers. I mean, he, he had so many things he wanted to say. He would, he would be writing fast or have someone writing down fast what he was saying. He would just go on and on and on. And if, depending, it doesn't matter what translation you have, but some of them don't necessarily capture what he actually does in the next um, 11 verses, 12, depending on how you count them, all right, is that in verses 3 through 14, there might be some periods in your Bible, but there's no periods in the Greek there. He writes one sentence from verse 3 through 14. And what he announced here, he talks about the work of God in all its Trinitarian majesty. As we think about who God is, as we believe what we believe about God, it's not because we've invented it or some people in past history decide that they would invent this kind of system to say this is what God is like. We believe what God has revealed about himself. The Bible says that there's only one God, but from the one God, there are three persons. And so as Paul an, announces and emphasizes God at work in their lives, in the first three chapters, that's basically all he's doing. He's done. This is what God has done. This is what God has done. This is what God has done. He wants them to understand that, that God in his oneness and his also uh, majesty and diversity, that God the Father was work at, at, at work in bringing us into relationship with him. God the Son was at work in bringing us into relationship with him. And, and God the Spirit was in work, at work in, in bringing us in relationship to him. And, and we see this in this uh, ongoing sentence that he begins uh, the real part of announcing the message to the church at Ephesus. And, and we're going to look at half the sentence, not, I mean one third of the sentence this morning. Look at God the Father at work. I was telling some of the people on our staff that this might be my Father's Day message a Sunday before Father's Day because we're going to look at the, the Heavenly Father and what the Heavenly Father has done for us. And I'm not sure how much this outline I'm actually going to explain or talk about, but, but let's, let's look at our awesome God. It, it begins in verse 3 this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That's just the beginning of his sins. And really, again, it speaks about God the Father, and God the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us with everything. God is the blessed, and he is the blesser. And it's interesting, when we bless God, and we are called to bless God to proclaim his name, it's not adding anything to him, it's acknowledging who he is. The word blessed, interesting word, um, blessed be the God uh, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word blessed there comes from a word that we sometimes use in certain settings in our journey through life. At the end of life, when people come into a place like this uh, and there is a casket in front of us, there are a variety of people who come up and speak. 
Uh, sometimes there's only one, but there might be a variety of people come up. And, and they, in, usually in the first part of the service, they'll, they'll talk about the person, right? And what that part is called formally is a eulogy. You ever heard that word before? Are you still with me out there? Do I need to begin all over? All right. Okay, a, a eulogy. And, and really what that word literally means is, is, if you were to break down that word, it means to speak well of the person. Now, sometimes when people get up here and they speak well of a person who's already gone, they're lying up here. They're, they're making up all these stories that never happened. You know, they, they speak a lot weller about the person that was really true. Now, if you, don't, if, if you don't believe what I just said, you haven't been to a lot of funerals because I've known some of the people that were in that casket and there were stories said that I knew that weren't true. I, I, believe it or not, I've had people tell stories about me that were not true. <laughs> okay. yeah. uh, usually on the negative side, but uh, but not... Uh, but, But a eulogy is speaking well of someone. We can never speak too well of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are called to acknowledge who he is and all that he is, how awesome he is. And and that's that's the beginning of understanding what it means to follow after God, is understanding who God is and he is worthy of all of our praises. Uh, the Bible says that he is, he is so good that everything that good that happens in this world comes from him. And, and so as we begin to understand who God is and God is work, we need to understand he is, first of all, to be the one who is blessed. But the one who is fully blessed does something that's amazing for us. He blesses us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with just a couple blessings. Is that what it says there? Quite a few blessings. Is that what it says there? It says every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. I mean, the one who is fully blessed, who we could never spend enough time speaking well of. That's what a eulogy is. Hope you never forget what a eulogy is, to speak well of someone. Hopefully truthfully, but to speak well of someone. That's what we are called to do of God. And and as we think about that, the one who who is so good desires to, to express that goodness to us. Now, when God blesses us, he doesn't just simply speak well of us. He does for us what we can't do for ourselves. Now, when someone sneezes, many times people will say, God bless you. And in the German, it is Gesundheit. You know, I used to say Gesundheit before I had no idea what that meant. All right. Okay. It means God bless you. Now, that does not mean that God is speaking well of you. He's what it means is, is whatever disease in your body that caused you to sneeze, my, may God somehow heal that. Or prevent you from continuing to, to have to sneeze and to spread the germs to me or whatever it might be. Okay, we say God bless you because we want, we want something positive to happen in that person's life. Well, as we, as we think about that when we express that when someone sneezes, we need to understand that, that God does much more than help us out when we sneeze. In fact, it says every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And what we need to understand, and this is what is crucial, is is that is this is something, when it says that he has blessed us, it's in the, the past tense. Now, how many of you like, how many of you like English grammar? Okay, the three hands, I'll speak to you right now. No, I didn't particularly like it either, but in times, it, it does open up the meaning. This is something that, that God is doing or deciding to do. Uh, many times uh, when we think about people, uh, I hope they're going to be nice to me today, right? Uh, tomorrow's done with. I'm not too worried about the future, but how about today? Somebody's going to do something good for me today in, 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 the, in the present tense. But see, the thing that we need to realize about God, God has already, already 
blessed us. This is already true about ourselves. It, you know, if last week, you know, I challenged somebody to say, go around and tell, talk to people you know that know Jesus and just call him a saint. You know, just, just kind of, hey, hey, Saint Ron, you know, Saint John. I hate to say that. Say John, you know, whatever. No, you know, just, just elevate the, the, the level of people around you. But you could also go around and just call people blessed. You know, Brandon, you are blessed. Paris, you, you, are, you are blessed of God. And see, so often we go through life thinking we're not blessed because we think there's something wrong with us or something missing. Now, now, there is something wrong with us and so, because we still struggle with our own selfishness and our own sin, but it's not because there's something, there's a lack in us. We are blessed of God. And, and sometimes what trips us up is we, we're asking God to do something he's already done. Can you imagine my kids coming to me and say, will you, will you pr- please make me part of your family? Now, some of them are a little slow. They might ask that question. But, you know, you know, no, you're already part of my family. You don't have to ask to become a Johnson. You are a Johnson. We weren't always sure we wanted to keep you a Johnson, but you are a Johnson. Now, we, we, they, are, they are part of our family. And so there ought to be a security there. And as we think about God blessing us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ, we, we, need, to, we need to identify what that is. And, and, or at least get a picture of that. We're, we're not going to spend all our time on this point, though it looks like it today. But we are blessed by God. And, and what we need to do is remember that. Have you ever felt kind of unloved at a moment in your life? And, and you're kind of insecure about what's going on there? You never need to be insecure about God's love because God's love is permanent. And when you come in a relationship with him you are now loved by him always loved by him turn your bibles to romans chapter 8 verse 37 39 i have no idea how am i going to finish this message romans 8 37 through 39 paul at the end of this amazing chapter in romans 8 uh, speaks to some people just like us who at times get a little insecure about our relationship with god he says this Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, why does he say that? Because many of them didn't feel like a conqueror. They felt like victims. They felt like being overwhelmed by the, the challenges of life. And he said, how would you know, we are, we are overwhelmingly conquerors. We win. And how do we know? Because we, we are just immersed in God's love. But then he has some people kind of arguing back. Well, how, 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 about, how about this? What are what if we have some enemies that do this to us? Couldn't we lose our love based on this challenge? And he says, For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, neither height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's, that's a pretty inclusive list, isn't it? Who can, who can take you out of God's family? And the reality is no one. You are always loved by God because you are blessed by God. And so our challenge is simply to, to ask God, God, help me to experience what is already true about myself, that, that I'm loved by you. And I will always be loved by you. And no matter how much I mess up, I will, I will, I will be loved by you. 
I didn't merit your love when I first got it, and I, don't, I, I can't do anything to sustain that love after it. I just need to understand I'm loved by you. And you can go on down to the list of all the things that are important to us as people. Everyone wants to be loved. And the more important the person is in your life, that's, that's the focus of your experience. You can have all kinds of people tell you you love you, but if your life partner doesn't love you, then your world is shattered. You can have all kinds of people at school that, <laughs> that, that uh, express how much they care about you, but if that per- very special person that you, you've got your eyes attached to kind of could care less, then your, your life is devastated. Well, if it's true that God loves you, then everything else and everyone else just pales by comparison. But how, how about, uh, have you ever asked uh, <laughs> for God to give you peace? And we talked about that last week. Where you're just filled with anxiety. You, you are stressed out to the max. You just, you can't imagine what's happening next because everything that happened before next was bad. Or at least it felt was bad. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And just so they understood, I'm not talking about how the world gives you peace. And then he says, okay, this is what's supposed to happen if you understand I'm giving you peace, not the world's peace, my peace. And my peace is sufficient. Have you ever, ever seen me over, overwhelmed by the, the challenges and the, and the enemies of life? Let not your heart be troubled. And see, what God gives, God does not take away. And so we don't ask for God's peace. We already have it. We simply ask God, my, I trust you for the peace you've already given me. I don't have to beg God for peace. I've already received it. I just need to be willing to believe it and experience it. How about joy? You know, how, how was your week this week? How are you doing? I'm doing fine. You know, how was your week? You know, the disciples were going to enter in a whole phase of life where Jesus wasn't going to be there. And so as, as, as Jesus was preparing them for that experience, he said, I want you to know that, John 15, 11, I, I'm going to give you joy. And, and, and in fact, I'm not only going to give you joy, I'm going to give you my joy. And I want, this is my prayer for you, that you might understand that my joy has fullness. And, and so when we wonder about the quality of our life, and, and there are the struggles of life, understand there's a joy that the world cannot explain because it comes from the inside out. And again, the emphasis, this is what God has already done, not what he's going to do. It's, it's settled. We have his love, we have his joy, we have his peace. We have a strength, Philippians 4.13, a verse that a lot of people like to quote, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's the capacity to, to do whatever needs to be done. Paul says, I've learned to be content whether I'm, I'm, I have a lot or have very little. And then, kind of a related term, in, in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. In Acts 1.8, when he, he sent out the disciples to witnesses, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. You ever been in a situation where you know God wants you to speak to someone about Jesus, and you just didn't think you could do it? We can do it. We just have to trust God 
for that which he's already told us we are able to do and then simply do it. So as we think about God at work, remember that you are a blessed people if you know Jesus. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly place in Christ Jesus. It goes on from here. Not only has he blessed us, but he has chosen us and predestined us. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 1 or just look on your outline. It goes right after that statement in this ongoing sentence. And he says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us. Now, the word chosen really comes from a Greek word. Actually, it sounds like our word. It means he elected us. The the idea of predestination means he predetermines. He marks out what he is going to do. And in many ways, we look at these doctrines, and and I'm not going to unpack everything that could be said about this, but he wrote this again for their assurance that it's about what God has done that motivates us and thrusts us out in the life with God. And when did he elect us to be part of his team, to choose us from the line against the fence and say, I want you to play on, on my team? It says before the foundation of the world. And the idea written here, I think the, the, the detail here is given to the point is it's before we did anything good or bad. I like what Charles Spurgeon has said about this. He says, you know, if God had chosen me after I got here, he probably would have changed his mind. Isn't that true for all of us? Man, I know I, I was going to have them on my team, but I wasn't really sure what was going to happen in their life. And so he says, look, at my, I always mess up. I still mess up. And if God was looking at, at my performance, he wouldn't have chosen me. But God chose before the foundation of the world, before anything happened, because he simply wanted us to be part of his family. Now, the emphasis here, again, is, again, the assurance and security of we are settled in him when we, when we embrace him by faith. Dr. McGee said this about this. There was a person who was asked about, well, tell me about how you came to Jesus. And he said, well, I came to Jesus. God did his part and I did my part. And they thought they'd trip him up and say, well, okay, what was God's part and what was your part? Well, uh, my part was to do the sinning and God's part was to do, to do the saving. God, my part was to do the running and God's part was to run me down. Now, not trying to somehow balance how the, the sovereignty of God and the free will of man works out, but let me just tell you, the emphasis on the election and the predestination of, of God to our lives is to understand this, this is a work of God. This is an act of God's grace. And, and I'm totally convinced that the, there's no one going to be in heaven who doesn't want to be there, right? And every, anyone who's not in heaven chose not to be there. How that works out, I have no idea. There's a balance within that in Scripture. But I do know this, that that I'm part of God's family because of God's unmerited favor to reach out and grab me when I was going down the last time. And it doesn't matter what age that was. When you embrace Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's because God wanted to rescue you. But there is another side to that. This is all what God has done. But he wants you to understand that the, the grander purpose of our life. It, it says that he has, he has chosen us that we should be holy and without blame before him. 
And really, there's two sides of the coin in terms of understanding what that means. Again, it still speaks about what God has done, but it's also what God wants us to live out. When we went through our series in the book of Genesis, we looked at the, the life of Abraham. And, and Abraham was against the father. You guys are still turning your pages. Man, why do you do that? I could be on here for another half hour. Okay, no. It is, in Romans chapter 4, verse 4, it says that, that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. This is what theologians say, God imparts his righteousness to us, that we are righteous because God makes us that way. We are justified. We are, we are declared righteous. Some people say justified means just as if I never sinned, that, that God makes us like we're, we are clean in his sight. But there is an aspect where God wants us to live that out. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. I'm going to give you guys additional homework after this sermon. All right. Second uh, Corinthians chapter seven, verse one. It says this. And this is kind of, again, in relationship to what God does. It says, therefore, what's the therefore, therefore, what God has already said. Therefore, having these promises, you could say having these blessings, uh, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I think uh, Mark started our service off talking about the fear of God. Because God has made us holy before him, he now wants us to live that out. And if you want to understand what holiness is, it's really being God-honoring with your life, living a life that pleases him, that does what is right in his eyes. He says, because I've made you right before me, I've made you, I've declared you righteous, now I want you to live a righteous life. I want you to do things that please me, and your attitudes toward people, and your actions, and your priorities of life, and what, what you're passionate about. I, I want that to be lived out in understanding all that I've done for you. I read a story this past week that kind of hit home with me. It was a historical illustration, but uh, Victoria, who was going to become Queen Victoria, uh, they discovered uh, pretty definitively that there wasn't going to be a male heir to the throne in England. And they knew that Victoria was going to be the next queen. But they had a dilemma there that I go, well, man, we don't, we don't know if we ought to tell her this. If we, if we, if we tell our, our little daughter that she's the queen, going to be the queen, I mean, she could get pretty proud about that and start telling her parents what to do and everybody else what to do, even at a little age. I mean, that's a pretty heady thing. You're going to be, you're going to be queen of the, at that time, the most powerful nation in the entire world. So they delayed that. And when she got a little bit older, they, uh, particularly her mentor, let her discover that she was going to be the next ruler, a ruleress, I guess if that's a feminine a ruler, I don't know, of, uh, of, of England. And here's was her response. And she says, well, I guess I ought to begin acting like it. See, she was queen. But before she knew it, she just lived like anybody and everybody else. When she found out she was the queen, she says, I need now to live like I am the queen. I I now need to be good. See, the reason we we live Christ-honoring lives is not because of uh, we have to work our way to heaven or we need to get brownie points in heaven. It's because that's who God has made us, and I want to act like who I am. 
So what, what, is it, what is it true about God at work? God has blessed us in very concrete ways. And we only just touched on a few of them. God has chosen us and predetermined or predestined us to be holy and blameless. And he did that even before everything began. Now, on the other side of the paper. And I'm going to try to do this in the next two minutes. God, God the Father has adopted us. It says, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. You know, there are a lot of words that, that, that the Bible talks about as far as who we are when we become a child of God. In Philippians 4, verses 20, actually it should be Philippians 3. So if you have your pencils and pens, write that Philippians 3. Uh, we are citizens of heaven. That, that's a pretty heady thing. You know, what are you, an American citizen? I'm a citizen of France. I'm a citizen of whatever country you, you came from. We are a citizen of heaven. It doesn't get any better than that. Number two, we are servants of Christ. First Corinthians 4, 2, uh, we played off, what, what should you call me? If you look at what the Bible says, you ought to just call me a servant or a slave of Christ. It's a, it's a good thing to say, I'm a servant of Christ and stewards of the manifold grace of God. We are servants of Christ. An amazing thing in John 15, 15, these are great passages, the homework, you've got to look up these verses. In John 15, 15, Jesus says, you know, I'm not going to simply call you servants. I want to now call you my friends. I mean, it is really true. We are a friend of God. I mean, that's pretty heady stuff to be a friend of God. But there's something better than that. We, we, are, we are a child of God. And that's what it means to be adopted as children. We are part of God's family. So we are blessed by God. We are chosen by God. We are adopted by God. And we are purposed by God. God as the Father has purposed us to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved, which simply means this, that we ought to live in such a way that we are an advertisement for God's grace. See, that's really how a Christian ought to live. We ought to live in such a way that people say, man, that, that's a person who's been with Jesus. That's a person who's been changed by Jesus. Now, that's in this, the specific things we might do, and we went through a whole design series on that, you know, concrete types of ministry but it's even more so about just who we are we ought to be who who we are this is our our position in christ blessed chosen adopted and with a purpose to live so that we we are a billboard for jesus so what's the challenge the challenge is to live like it and then bless, speak well of God, who has done all these things for you. Let's pray. Father, this is pretty heady stuff, but it's pretty simple too. And for all of us, that'll be encouraging and also challenging. And for those who are still on the outside looking in, this is, this is what God, who is full of goodness for his people, is offering to all those who respond to his open invitation. Fathers, we continue to worship through our giving and, and celebration and song and commissioning those who are serving. Might we be just overwhelmed by the blessing that's found in Christ. In whose name we pray, amen. Mm-hmm.